This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE IntelliNews. Subscribe at bne.eu. Hello and welcome to Window on the East with me, Ben Aris, the editor of BNE IntelliNews. It's been a rough couple of months for both Ukraine and Turkey. Both countries are close to crises. In Turkey, there's been a full-blown currency meltdown as the lira tumbled to record lows. And that crisis is not over yet. More hikes are expected because inflation caused by the devaluation will start to work its way into the system over the rest of this year. Ukraine is living close to the edge as well. With only 18 billion in hard currency reserves, they've got at least $10 billion worth of obligations to repay over the next 18 months. And that, possibly without an IMF program. Analysts there are starting to talk about possible devaluation and default on the debt in the next couple of years unless they can get their act together. I talked to Gunther Deuber, who's a financial analyst with Raiffeisen and covers the area about these issues. So, Gunther, good to talk to you. Um, there are two crises in the possible offering at the moment in Ukraine and Turkey. Turkey's been having more or less full-blown currency crisis um, over the last month. And at the same time, Ukraine is having a very difficult time financially. And with the problems around the anti-corruption court, it seems unlikely that the IMF is going to resume its program um, at the moment. But if it doesn't, doesn't that mean that Ukraine is also facing a crisis? So maybe we should start with Turkey. Um, the central bank there has made a couple of emergency rate hikes. But I saw that the, the bond yields are still rising. I mean, do, do you think that the central bank has done enough to reassure investors that macro management, the policy there is, is enough to, to stabilize the country or not? I think uh, a lot of market participants uh, or market watchers do expect uh, even, even more to be done there from the central bank. We, we haven't seen the full full path through from from the yeah recent currency weakening on on the inflation side yeah so that's why at some point we we are maybe once again in the discussion whether we have positive real rates in the country or not and I think uh, for example the the decent performance of Ukraine up to now and also of Russia for example shows that. Yeah, it, it makes sense to have decent, uh, positive real rates to reassure markets. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, that's why I think the first step was not sufficient. So from being maybe behind the curve, the, the central bank was moving closer to what is needed. But, yeah, it, it has not moved ahead of the curve. Yeah. I so tell me, I mean, you seen can you give me a sense such of... Such a deterioration, you need to be ahead of the curve. And it's maybe that we really have to see a key rate above the 20% or close to the 20%. Uh, how how close to the edge is it? Because I, I saw the bond yields are now record highs and, and the currency has sunk to sort of record lows. I mean, h- how far away is a crisis? How dangerous is the situation here? I think the biggest uh, issue this time around is, and that's why also the situation is a little bit different compared to the situation, you know, Turkey is a crisis-prone country uh, and we had a full-blown economic currency crisis also back in 2000-2001. Yeah? It's not that much about fiscal policy, public sector indebtedness. It's about the private sector indebtedness yeah? and also FX mismatches in the private sector. Yeah? 
and that makes the situation also more challenging to control. Yeah? So, you know, the bond yields for the sovereign are not per se driven by, you know, fears about credit risk or sovereign default, but about all these fears in the private sector. And and I think the longer the the policy credibility will suffer, yeah, the, the more damaging, and then it will be very hard to rebuild it. Um, because yeah, it's mostly about private sector exposure so, and of, also yeah, of exposure towards international banks. And, exactly. And how how big is the private sector debt? On third cave, but we have still more than I would say two hundred thirty, two hundred fifty US dollar billion outstanding bank exposure of international banks, and this is a huge sum. Yeah. And if you see decisive deleveraging action here, yeah, this this would be really painful. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, the the Turkish market could not digest the decisive deleveraging. Yeah. And uh, as the FX reserves of the country are anyway not ample, yeah, it's it's really about this exposure. Yeah. That is 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 the big uh, pain point and also investor concern in Turkey. Because yeah. it's a bad and time, is it not, to have so much debt? In so much as the the Fed raised rates and made it very clear that yeah. there's two more rate raises coming and more next year as well, and so it's going to get yes. more difficult and more expensive to refinance. So uh, the, the pressure. Because, for example, if you look, if you look at, at at let me say their official FX reserves, yeah, which are gradually deteriorating uh, or are, have been, let me say, yeah, decreasing in recent years, they're below uh, 100 euro billion or dollar billion. Yeah? And if you have uh, double the amount of international bank exposure, uh, outstanding, you could easily imagine what could happen. Yeah? And for example, this is the big difference uh, to Russia, for example. Yeah? So, yeah. In Russia, isn't and, it, the, and, the debt is covered more or less dollar for dollar by the reserves. Even more. Uh, it's overcovered. Uh, right. And uh, that's why also investors, so markets investors, but also banks are more relaxed uh, in, in this situation with regards to Russia and also in the crisis times. Mm-hmm. But the, the FX reserve position is, is, is very weak. Yeah? So you have a rather sizable uh, leverage yeah, in, in the private sector. Yeah? And you know, private sector exposure is about the sovereign risk and credibility. Yeah? And if, if the sovereign is, or let me say not the sovereign, if one person is pursuing such a policy. Yeah, so, you know, if we get a decisive uh, exposure cuts by the international banks, the FX reserves of the country could be gone in. And in general, the, the macroeconomic situation in Turkey seems to be deteriorating. I mean, you mentioned with the currency devaluation that we've had that there's going to be a feed-through, say, in the next six months into inflation. Mm-hmm. But the, um, the current account has also traditionally been the other big concern, but that's also increased. And this is all going to have a, a negative impact on growth, which I think is yeah. already starting to slow. Is that not the it's case? It's starting to slow, yeah, but we all know that anyway, yeah, the current economy is, is highly inflated yeah, because of all these policy-induced spending we had in recent years, and also the banking sector had been a part of this one. Yeah. And uh, that's making the situation definitely more challenging. And as I mentioned, if it is more about the sovereign exposure, yeah, then it's easier maybe to stop uh, a loss in confidence or to show some decisive actions. But the 
biggest problem is the private sector exposure to Turkey. And if if, if we once cross a certain point, you have this hurting behavior and it won't stop. Yeah? So if there's going to be a crisis, when is it going to come? I mean, haven't we got like the rest of this year for a sort of slight deterioration and then to start really getting into trouble next year? Is it is it that kind of time scale? Honestly speaking, it's it's very hard, you know, to, to, to time it exactly. Yeah, but um, I w- I would see definitely, uh, yeah, most likely coming then sometime later this year, early next year, because currently we are still okay in terms of rate levels, yeah, and also in terms of the global economic cycle. Yeah, but if we see a weakening of the global economic cycle, yeah, and if we are crossing really on a sustainable basis certain yield thresholds in developed markets and in the U.S., yeah. I think then, so that the situation will only become more and more challenging. Yeah. So switching but then most gears, likely in no, nineteen, yeah, from my understanding. Yeah. Switching gears um, to take a look at Ukraine, uh, it's also in a delicate position. I mean, there the debt, um, the, the 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 reserves of the central bank are like eighteen billion dollars, and and the debt is far more. Moreover, um, they've got I think three billion dollars worth of redemptions this year, and seven billion next year, and they've been living hand-to-mouth on handouts from the IMF, which have been, what is it, eight billion over four years, two billion yeah. a year. Um, but it doesn't look like the, the IMF is going to resume um, the payments, and all of that debt that was restructured by Jeresko, um several years ago is starting to come due, I think, from next year. Uh, and isn't Ukraine also headed into a very similar uh, crisis where it just simply is not going to have the money to meet its obligations? I would be a little bit definitely more more positive here, yeah, because in in the end um, we have seen that as long as they they keep the key rate level at this high level like they're having it, yeah, and as long as they don't touch the central bank independence they could also refinance on the local markets. Yeah. So we have uh, seen that over the last uh, yeah, 9 to 12 months that there was some, some activity taking place. Yeah. I think the question is just that, that, that people don't believe that the current policy setting will be sustained in case uh, yeah, we don't see a continuation of the IMF uh, cooperation. So this is the bigger problem. It's not per se about the immediate or looming payments because I think they can muddle through yeah, and mm-hmm. It's more about the risk that, okay, if we don't sign the IMF deal now or get the approval in the next, I don't know, few weeks or one to two months, they won't do it ahead of the next elections anyway. Yeah? And then you never know what comes after the next elections. If we get once again a politically driven central bank and all this stuff, yeah, then the whole situation will deteriorate. So it's not about immediate payments. I think they could be managed yeah. Because your your house view is that the government will do a deal with the IMF, is that not right? Definitely, yes, yeah, and um, we 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 see a, a a chance, a fair chance, I would say. But we all know it depends also to what extent the IMF is taking a ultra strict view or not. Because yeah. um, the we we just passed one of the hurdles with the passage of the um, the new anti corruption court. But then the yeah. the NGOs were out this morning or last night saying yeah. look, there, there's a loophole um, because any sentence passed by the court can be appealed and those appeals would be heard in the regular, a.k.a. corrupt courts. And so that 
they doubt anybody you know significant who's brought brought to brook on corruption charges will actually be jailed because they can just go no. to a normal court, pay the bribe, and and get let off. Uh, isn't that a deal killer for the IMF? Because the IMF's insisting on on the working anti-corruption court on a hike in domestic gas tariffs and, oh, the budget deficit as well, that the the, the government's going to spend too much. So let me say how we read the situation is definitely the IMF will be very strict on this one, on on the anti-corruption court, because up to now the anti-corruption, yeah, containment or fight in Ukraine yeah, was still along the lines of what you mentioned, that there were loopholes and everything. That's why, and this is a trend we have seen over the last few years, that's why IMF is very strict this time on this one. So I, uh, Ukraine has to move on this one and has to improve, I think, the current proposal. On the other things, I think the IMF would maybe more compromise and leave some room that we see relevant uh, policy measures later on. So. There is still some time, uh, but definitely uh, Ukraine has to adjust, I think, the current proposal, uh, because this is how we read the IMF communication on a formal level, on an informal level, that on this anti-corruption thing, they will be very strict this time around. And and what's your view on Ukrainian bonds in general? In so much as last year they got away a a $3 billion euro bond um, to high demand, it was actually a very successful issue. And, and, you know, given the shenanigans, uh, I, I think that bond is still um, very attractively priced. And Danny Luke, the former um, finance minister, came out with a plan of borrowing whatever it was, 2.5 billion this year and similar amounts in the next three years. Uh, aren't these assets going to be attractive? And if the IMF deal is reconfirmed, then doubly so. Definitely, yes. If the IMF con, uh, yeah, cooperation continues, and I think this is also where I see, let me say, the self-interest of, of Ukraine to continue with this deal, even with some modeling through, yeah, I think they can place it on international markets, and especially... I think yeah, when when we had the first placement last year anyway, the markets were still maybe even too tight and we had some overpricing in general still. We have seen that EM bonds and so Ukraine was not uh, just affected you know, by country-specific things. Yeah, we're trending up this year in terms of yields and spread. So, yeah, there's some general softening of EM bonds anyway, yeah, but mm. this means that also, yeah, for, for some of these dedicated uh, EM investors, Ukraine and with that, has and once IMF... again some appeal. And as long as there is a sign that IMF cooperation is locked in also, yeah, I would see these dedicated guys to be still interested can, in Ukrainian exposure. Can uh, can Ukraine issue you know similar benchmark size bonds without an IMF deal? Without an IMF deal, not. Uh, and here I see the self-interest of Ukraine to to continue. Yeah. So they have to because have to because yeah, usually at least certain backstop uh, yeah would would be appreciated by the investors. We have seen it for, for several years also that, for example, yeah, Belarus managed to place the bonds yeah, also at attractive conditions there, yeah, but they have Russia or, yeah, or this European Fund for stabilization as a backstop. They don't have the IMF. Yeah? Mm. And the, you know how, how good you know the Belarus placements are received on the markets. But because there is a backstop, because whether everything is sustainable in Belarus, is also a question. Mm. And without the backstop, I don't see people, you know, being 
really yeah rushing into Ukrainian bonds, which are okay price, but you know if if they don't have the IMF running, I think at least you need a certain market correction. Yeah. Great, fantastic, Gunter. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk. Extremely interesting. We'll be watching the situation closely. Okay.